it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is For the Girls Podcast. For the Girls, I'm Nick Westgate. I'm Jason Black. This is a podcast about uh, queer people and their divas. This is a podcast about ladies loving ladies. This is a podcast about gays who love Jezebels. This is a podcast about bad silver screen bitches. This is a podcast about dangerous women. This is a podcast about human bondage. This is a a podcast that's all about LaToya Morgan. Hi, LaToya. LaToya is our guest this week. She is an amazing writer, producer, maker of movies and TV shows. And we met on the greatest TV show to ever air on television, which was called... Turn Washington Spies. Turn. That's right. Yes. Hi, LaToya. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Why are you here? I'm here. Because I love me some women. Yes. yes. And I love yes. me some silver screen women. Yes. Yes. Most importantly, I'm here because of Betty Davis. Oh, oh my God. This is like Davis. Come on. Icon. Icon. The greatest. Spirit animal. Of all time. I'm the great. Yeah, the greatest screen actress of all time. Of all time. So I will fight people over that. Too. Really? Oh, yes. Mm. I would throw it down. Are you at a bar and, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. I really love Scarlett Johansson. And you're like, yes. well, let me tell you something. Yes, yes. I'll say the greatest of our current generation, I would say, is Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep says... The greatest actress of all time is Betty Davis. Ooh, ooh, so, shiver, I mean, shiver, 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 how shiver. are you going to deny that? Yeah. Come on. If I could yeah. act with one person living or dead, it would be Betty Davis. <gasps> oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. That's I've, amazing. It would it'd be so exciting. I mean, she's so alive. Yes. She's so nuanced. She's so complicated. Yes. It would be, it'd be incredible. Yeah. No, there's no one like her on screen. There has never been anyone like her ever. And She's probably so won't ever be. Never again. Of course not. Yeah. How did you, how did you, what was the first time you saw her? The first time I saw her, I was, picture a little black girl, 12 years old, South LA, flipping through Turner Classic Movies. Really? And um, I happened to see this scene from Jezebel. And it was the iconic scene where she's wearing the red dress on the dance floor. And Henry Fonda makes her dance and all the other girls in white uh, it was like a whole thing where you, you were supposed to wear white to this dance. And she decided, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wear a red dress. Would you like to see my new dress? That's what I wanted to do all day. Well, well, let me go then. There it is. For the Olympus ball? Uh, isn't it lovely? Julie, it's red. It's gorgeously red. But you can't wear red to the Olympus ball. Why not? You never saw an unmarried girl in anything but white. You're going to see one tomorrow night. Julie, you can't be serious. Are you afraid somebody will take me for one of those girls from Gallatin Street? Julie! Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I'm a child. I'm not supposed to know about things like Gallatin Street. I'm just supposed to flutter around in white. You're supposed to know better than scandalize the whole town. It might be bad for the bank. Of course. 
Will you please hold another director's meeting and ask him to decide what I can wear? Julie, for heaven's sake, will you be reasonable? Were you reasonable this afternoon? So that's it. You're just nursing a spite. Well, I'm not going to let you. You've made your point for once you're going to do as I say. I'm calling for you tomorrow night at 10, and you're going to be dressed properly for the ball in white. Am I? Oh, but of course, Preston, if you say so. Don't be absurd. Your own good sense will say so. And if it doesn't? Then, my sweet, you and I will sit at home quietly with our embroidery. Good night. Tomorrow night at 10. Oh, Preston, you forgot your stick. So I did. I forgot to use it, too. So you did. And the way William Wilder, the director, really shot that scene was you could just see the people peeling away slowly. And all of a sudden, it's just her in the middle of the dance floor with everybody watching her. And I was like, who is this woman that is so badass that would be like, I'm going to defy all these people and then have all these people looking at her like she's crazy. So it was great. This crimson disruption. Yes, it was wonderful. It's also amazing because it was in black and white and you just have to imagine the, the red, red yeah. like what that color of red was. Yeah, and they do a good job making it look kind of shimmery mm-hmm. in comparison to the other white dresses, but mm-hmm. you're right. You do have would to like, describe imagine. Betty Davis's color as red? Would I describe her? Yeah, if Betty Davis had a yeah. color, it's oh, red. for sure. It's, it's crimson. It's uh, explosive. Like, I can just imagine it's seeing vibrant. her being like, yes. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. She is Life's staring blood. at you with blood yes. in her eyes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that that was it. I came in on that scene, and the way Turner Classic Movies works is they would show a bunch of movies in a row. So there were, the next movie that I saw was Dark Victory. And in Dark Victory, she plays this like young, beautiful woman who ends up getting this diagnosis of she has brain cancer and she's going to go blind. And I mean, talk about throw somebody on the floor with their performance. She was so incredible. And I'm like... I'm in love with this woman. I am obsessed with this woman. I need to watch every movie she's ever been in. And Were you into it. film or back then? I mean, this, yeah. was, this is kind of young, right? This is I know. Like, for me, it would be like I actually did love film. My mom loved, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Turner classic movies. I yeah. did, but I, I probably me and I feel like more of my peers would be like, we can't watch this. It's in black and white. <laughs> no, I was a super nerdy kid. So, really? So mm. I love like old movies. So I was already in love. I, I liked. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Mm-hmm. So I watched all 10 of their movies that they made together. I loved Alfred Hitchcock. So I would watch like Notorious and it was just What do your parents nerd. think about that? Were they like <laughs> concerned at all? Like My mom wasn't concerned. She was, she was like, please go outside and play sometimes. <laughs> she was like, please play with some kids your age and stop looking at these old vintage films. Um, but for the most part, she really like fed into my obsession. So I would say I have at least 10 books on Betty Davis. No. And half, no. Of, them, half of them were bought by my mom who just what? fed into my obsession. And well, she, she, she has a load of memoirs. Oh, yeah. Ton. And then people loved writing books about Oh, her. yeah. And there was one that I read when I was a kid called, I think it's called The Lonely Life. That's her autobiography. And so it was like her and her own words talking about the movies that she had been in. And I was like, just in heaven. Come on. It was oh. great. Her talking shit about the people behind scenes and which actresses got on her nerves and that she hated, like Miriam Hopkins. And, uh, oh, yeah, she, she hated she Miriam Hopkins. Hated Miriam. Also she thought she was she, trying to upstage her, right? She was trying to upstage her. And also, <laughs> I think... Off the record, I think Betty Davis slept with her husband. So oh, Betty Davis loved to sleep with people. Oh yeah, Betty. She, she yes. was bad. She could she be bad. bad girl. Yes, she was a bad girl. She was girl. not an angel. And what, what was the movie with Miriam Hopkins? Uh, she did a couple. One was called um, Old 
acquaintance. Old and that's the one where they have the They're famous, like rival like, novelists. Scene. Yes. Yeah. Here's, and what did Betty Davis say about the slapping scene? Uh, she got mad because Miriam would always like go limp like in her arms, so she couldn't really like hit her. And uh, so she kept complaining to the director to like do it right. And so then she just slaps her. And then at the end of the scene, she goes, "Sorry." It's like like one of the best <laughs> clips like ever. You have not seen it. Please look it up on YouTube. It's Here's great. the thing with like with it, when you know you're talking to a Betty Davis fan, like most. Well, like, I think when we think of actors, we're like, they have, like, 15 films. Yeah. Not Betty Davis. Oh, no. She did, like, 101 films. <laughs> so, yeah. so when, we're, when you're able to just pull out, like, <laughs> so many movies. We oh, know yes. we're, in the, we're in the presence of a true fan yes, right now. Yes, true fan. It's bad. Like, it's, it's really bad. But we talk about this, like, with um, Bette Midler. Uh, your queen. Who was, who was named for Betty Davis. I know, but this is how you can tell if someone's a true fan, because some people... If they don't really know what they're talking about, they'll say they'll say Bette Davis, and uh-huh. I'm like, um, oh, no, it's no, Bette Midler, bitch, and it's Betty Davis. But Bette Midler, right. but Bette Midler's mom, who wasn't a true stand of Betty Davis, but loved no, her, was a true stand, just didn't know how to pronounce just didn't know how to right. pronounce it. Right. So she called her Bette, and her other sisters were Judy yep. and Susan. I love that. Well, do you know that Bette met Betty Davis, and she like it's kind of hard to find the quote, but she talks about how she came up to. Betty Davis was like, hey, so I just want to let you know that I am named after you. And <gasps> Betty, Betty Davis just gave her a stink eye and walked away. <laughs> no, <laughs> Didn't say anything to her. That's evil. So it's amazing to be like, I'm named after you and not even get a response. But why? Um, why was she so mean to her? Well, you know, she doesn't have the time to suffer fools gladly. And I guess <laughs> Bette Midler was a fool to her, which is fabulous in its own right. But I was. I also mm. imagine that, the, that Bette Midler of the 70s was not a, of huge interest to Betty Davis. Right. Like her music at the it. time, the kind of like brassy, rude kind of persona wasn't what you know, 70-something-year-old Betty Davis was into yeah, at the time. Yeah, I mean, because she was also strangely, like, friends, not strangely, but, like, oddly friends with Elizabeth Taylor, who's a lot younger than her. Yeah. And, like, Elizabeth Taylor was, like, very body and out there, so I'm surprised yeah, she didn't, true. like, uh, bet Midler. Well, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, like, yeah. who knows what the account really was? Like, maybe Betty Davis had, like, something in her eye or wanted to get another <laughs> wine spritzer. I, I don't have, know. I always have this, too, when people try to tell me some story, like, one account of right. meeting someone yeah. famous and then try to extrapolate, therefore, that person is like this. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've met, and you have, too. You're sure of famous people, right? Yeah. Like, they're just, like, people. Yeah, and they have, normal. like, bad moments and yeah. good and, moments. And also, and when you have 100 people coming up to yeah. you, at some point, you just have to do, you know, it's like, you're not all, you're not going to be all smiles. Like, that's just not what's going to Oh, 100%. Happen. And she was known for being, a like, a little, a little crotchety. She's yeah. So tough. But, yeah a little tough. But what we were saying is, we talk about how weird it was for two 10-year-old boys to be obsessed with Bette Midler mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. Like, no one understood that around us you know no one was listening to her uh we just interview people and they're like what a, what an odd thing for you to be in that age and 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 be about her i just can imagine it's asked to be the same thing like oh, yeah. what were your peers doing if your parents were supporting you i mean you must have been such a weird kid I, to I, go to school and I, be like but this is why i was always friends with my teachers because would you I say talk not go to, to recess and yes, stay and so talk to them? Yes, so I would stay in, in uh-huh. for office hours. Like I talk to my <laughs> teachers during recess and nutrition. Talk to them about Dark Victory. Talk to them about Jezebel. Talk to them about all about Eve. You would literally them. bring up old movie history oh with them, yes, and they probably thought yes. they were like. And living. they would look at me with these eyes, like, "How have you seen all of these things?" Because I truly do have a very obsessive personality, so I fixated on her so much because I had just never seen anything like it, and so. 
anything that I could get my hands on that was about her. I was looking it up on the internet, articles. I have like one of her albums, which is album. This, this is how uh-huh. you know I really love Betty Davis. Betty Davis could not sing. My <laughs> God, it was terrible. <laughs> really? But I have the album and I have listened to it many times. What is it, <laughs> what is it called? Oh my God, wait. Okay, I gotta look it up. Uh, uh, it's like Betty Davis sings something. something. But yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll. God, I'll look it up. But yeah. So, wait, did you have a good old video store? Did you have like a video rental store that had old stuff? I imagine that that exists in yeah, LA, right? Yeah, and also the library. So, oh, the um, library. The library That's, was yes, great. no one's ever brings up the I power know, of libraries. The power of the public library. Yeah, there was a downtown LA library that I would go to all the time. It was, was free. It, that beautiful. library is beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, there's a whole book on about Support the, the library. Fire. Absolutely. Support your local library. Have you read that book? No. Yeah, it's it's wonderful about the fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when it almost, yeah, it almost mm-hmm. burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they And so they it. had like little VHS you could get. They had yep. all, they probably had all the Betty Davis Oh, yeah, movies. they had everything. And then later on, um, when I went to film school, it was just like I was in heaven. So they had everything on DVD. They had all the backup. They had the scripts for her movies. It Where was did wonderful. you go to film school? I went to film school at AFI. Oh. oh yes. They must... All about film. And she's the first, wasn't she the first woman now um, honored by AFI? Yeah, to, to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award. Wow. And she gave the best speech. If you have not seen it, please look it up on YouTube. It is so inspiring. Charles Lawton, a business at our set when we were making the private lives of Elizabeth and Essex. I said to him, I have my nerve attempting to play Elizabeth I to say nothing of the fact I am only 30 years old and in the script she is 60. He said, never not dare to hang yourself. One must always attempt the impossible if one is to grow as an artist. I am proud I have been privileged to join the ranks of my four predecessors, John Ford, Orson Welles, James Cagney, and William Wyler. I will take second billing to any of them anytime. I'm sure, like me, all of them had dreams that obviously came true. As I say goodnight, I would like to quote my favorite line from all the pictures I have made. I'd love to kiss you, but I just washed my hair. So after Dark Victory, do you remember like the next few movies that were like the next ones that were really impactful? Yes. And it's so crazy because these are probably like the most iconic films that she's done. Um, So the next movie that I saw was Now Voyager. And my God. My favorite. That's like, what is, is, is that her number one? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I feel like it's her, Dark Victory is her favorite performance that mm. she said so herself that she, after she saw herself in that film, she actually like smiled and she never is satisfied with her performances. So that was great. But for most people, I would say, Now Voyager is the film where you just fall in love with her. I mean, because she has such a tremendous transition yeah. in that film. She really goes from like caterpillar to butterfly in that movie. It's such a it's such a huge transformation. I just rewatched it the other day, and she's also uh, she gets so she gets mocked. Her impersonations are done of her as this kind of campy yeah. vamp. But now Voyager is such a complicated, mm-hmm. subtle, layered, strange performance. Yeah, and the little caterpillar never leaves her when yeah. she is a butterfly. Yeah, yeah, and it's just interesting to see her. Um, she played uh, against what's I think her name is. Mrs. Cooper? 
God, what's the mom's name? We'll put in her real name. Um, but she was like, that was one of her greatest challenges is to play in those scenes with her mom. And uh, I think one of the clips that I brought, uh, she is trying to stand up with her to her after her transformation. And she's still that caterpillar. It's just the subtle things that Betty Davis does in the scene where you can see that she's trying to be strong, but she kind of wilts in the moment because her mom is so iron-willed and has, like, beaten everything out of her. And it's just such a beautiful scene. You just and empathize with her so it's much. It's such a thing that all of us have. Right. Like, yes. with your mom. Like, yeah. your mom can, no matter what, how much strength you've gained or yeah. notoriety, your mom can still pull you back yeah. to that childhood place oh, wherever yeah. you were with her. Or to me, it's even just like about toxic relationships. Yeah. It's like you can be someone so different and then when you see that person again, it's like those old, yeah. that old relationship just is back no matter how much you've worked to change. 100%. Sometimes you just have to get away. Yeah. Yeah, and you see she has on the nice clothes. Mm-hmm. She's she's lost weight. She's wearing makeup. And her mom just like completely like knocks her down every peg in the scene and it is beautiful to watch her performance in that. The vulnerability is great. Mother, you're looking wonderfully well. Lisa told me you'd been ill, but I Lisa can't... knows nothing about me. Step over there where I can see you. Turn around. Walk up and down. It's worse than Lisa led me to suppose. Much worse. If you'd like me to go, Mother. Don't go. I have things to say to you. Sit down. I've asked a number of the family to dinner tonight at 7.30. Lisa told me you had it. Very nice of you, Mother. I should be wearing my white lace gown tonight. I'd like you to wear your black and white foulard. But I've lost over 25 pounds. It won't fit. Oh, yes, it will. I've had Miss Till here for the last week. Hilda is just Lisa's size. We've had all your dresses fitted to her. I've asked Miss Till to stay late tonight, in case there may be any minor alterations necessary. You've thought of everything, haven't you, Mother? Wait a minute. There's something else I want to say to you. Now that you're cured of whatever ailed you and have come home to take up your duties as a daughter again, I've dismissed the last nurse. I've become used to having a room occupied on the same floor with me. And in view of my heart, I agree it is a wise precaution. You will occupy your father's room from now on. I had William move down all your things yesterday. Your furniture, books and everything. But, Mother... You had no right to move my things. No right in my own house to move what I see fit. I'm not surprised you blush. I was in the room when William took the books from the shelves. And let me say that what we found hidden there was a very great shock to me. I can only hope that a shameful episode in your life is completely past. If you'll excuse me, Mother. I think if you wear your glasses tonight, you'll be less of a shock to the others. And take off whatever you've got on your face. As to your hair and eyebrows, you can say that often after severe illness, one loses one's hair. But you're letting yours grow as quickly as possible. What, what, I, so much of what, you know, so it's, since we're a pot in, but a lot of that is in the face. Oh, yeah. A yeah. lot of that is, in, is, the, is the heartbreak and trauma that she's... Yeah, you can just see her fold in on herself at the end of the scene, where she's like, I want to stand up, but I, but I just can't. And it's just beautiful to watch. And what I think is interesting is that face. We should talk mm-hmm. about her. The yeah. Her look... I think what she stands out is that she just didn't look like anyone of that time. Yeah, 100%. My Wikipedia told me. (laughs) Mine. I have my own. (laughs) Betty Davis. But they said that um, uh, uh, the studio, when she was first starting, sent someone down to pick her up, and no one picked her up. And 
when the driver when they asked the driver why he said because there was no one there that looked like an actress yeah or a star or a star yes a star. she a always star. considered herself an actress and not a star no one looked like a star yeah and... it's true and that um they tried so many things when she was first starting out so they would like they tried to give her hair like super blonde highlights like Jean Harlow they tried you know making her a sex pot like and like putting her in these weird movies like Marked Woman and where she's like this saucy like street woman and it's just like no she just let the woman do what she knows how to do which is act her face off yeah like just write her great yeah dynamic complicated people to yes. play because she can play any of them any of them and she doesn't have a like she, she has a more masculine face i yeah. think that's what people would, would you would say like she doesn't have this like soft feminine uh you know face it's kind of angular uh it's intense yeah she has like high cheekbones yeah. and a long and strong nose mm-hmm. Those big, beautiful eyes. I mean, that was the thing that drew me to her. I, you could, this is what every actor, but just something about the shape and how big her eyes are, it just pulled you in. And the secret of the way Betty Davis acts is when she decides to give you her eyes, because she knows mm-hmm. that is her tool, right? And it was just sometimes she's doing the scene and she's not looking at her partner, but then when she does look at them, it's like. She has them in like her tractor beams, right? It's so beautiful to see. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she has that beautiful hair. And contrary to what she thought about herself, especially in, in, at the height of her career in the 1940s, she thought she was not good looking. This woman was absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. She was so, so beautiful, beautiful, especially during this run um, of films during um, like the late 40s, early 50s. She was incredibly beautiful. She, but she was not traditionally beautiful. Like, Elizabeth Taylor or... Which to me is more beautiful. Standing out is yeah. always, always more interesting yeah. to me. Like I've never, ever found like a traditional, whatever we consider traditionally beautiful to yeah. be exciting because like... Bleh. I remember when I first saw Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth mm-hmm. and oh, I was like, great. this is yeah. like Betty Davis. This yeah. is like Betty Davis. Like they, she has that kind of beauty yeah. and those kind of eyes yes. and that intensity. Mm-hmm. That same kind of... and But it is kind of... Betty Davis has a masculine energy. Yes. Or what people describe as masculine, which yeah. is why everyone says she's a bitch. Yeah. Right? No, I agree. And you can see it uh, in the way that she walks. She's like, has a very shoulder-driven walk. And it's like, she's like, not walking, she's strutting. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, you can't help but want to follow her with the camera, which is what people during that time would say is that uh, directors used to just put the camera somewhere and then they would let the actors act. But when Betty Davis came on the scene, they wanted to follow the actors. So they would move the camera to follow with her. Well, I got shivers. Yeah, she owns she, she owns the frame. Yes. Well, the, the end the, of... It goes zoom right yes. into her. Like yes. You, you kind of have a problem looking up to other places. Yeah. Because she's just so um, lasered with those eyes and that focus and that posture. Yeah, it's and like, that di- she was so dynamic, dynamic in the way that she interacted with people. And the, the end of Now Voyager, that last <gasps> scene, so the camera, fo- I was stunned at how much the camera moves in that yes. scene and is following her around yeah. that room because it's all about her journey and does she trust what he's saying or not and is she going to risk it and is he going to understand where she's coming from? Yeah. And they just stay right on her every second without cutting. I cannot think about the end of that movie without like getting teary eyed because it is such a romantic. And I'm not a like I don't love romantic movies, but it's such a romantic love story. And I love things that are unrequited or you know like this bittersweet. And like they love each other, but they can't be together. And you want them to be together. And it has the perfect final line, which is. Um, and will you be happy, Charlotte? Oh, Jerry, don't let us for the moon. We have the stars.
It's so good. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And fun fact about Kate Blanchett, by the way, her favorite actress, Betty Davis. Oh, oh I love it. There you go. Don't you love when you find people who you admire also loving yes, that person? Yes. I feel like that same way. Like, I'll sometimes just like, uh, go, like um, you can YouTube people talking about Bette Midler. Yeah, yes, I know. I love it. <laughs> what? It's that thing that Joan Crawford had, that inferiority complex with mm-hmm. Betty Davis, because she knew that everyone thought of Betty Davis as the greatest actor. Yeah, and I think it goes back to the train station when they went to go pick her up. No one thought she was pretty. Mm-hmm. And so how could she think she was pretty if everyone's telling her she needs to look like someone else? It was just it just ingrained inside of her. And so she decided, guess what? I'm not even going to try to compete on that field. I'm mm. going to be the best actress that anyone has ever seen. And she, she did it. Okay, so after now, Voyager. Oh my gosh, there's so many movies to talk about. Because <laughs> we can talk about Joan too. Because I can go there. Oh, we're gonna we're thing. gonna get there. Yeah. Um, they. I mean, also, <laughs> I, I think bet I, you can. <laughs> I bet. I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> um, but also, I think of like a great, an early great rivalry with a great beauty, Claudette Colbert, and right. of human bondage versus it happened one night oh, in yeah. an Oscar race. Can you yeah. explain that to me? Because I feel like I've read so many different things about it. Well, the the rough sketch is that they're both. The, well, actually, Betty Davis should have been nominated for of human bondage, and she was not nominated for mm. of human bondage, and um, Claudette Colbert was, and I believe Claudette won. Right? Yeah, yeah. One. And, What's Human Bondage about? Oh my God! So, if Human Bondage is a Somerset Mom uh, play that they turned into a movie um, about like this kind of like I guess she's like a streetwalker kind of person. She's like a waitress or whatever that does a hussy. shady. Yes, a hussy. That's a perfect word. Um, and she falls uh, in love, or this this guy uh, Leslie Howard falls in love with her, and she's basically hustling him to get his money and stuff. And, uh, and then they have this insane, like, uh, the clip is crazy of, they have this confrontation scene where he finds out that she's been, like, using him and lying to him, and he sort of confronts her, and he's, he says, like, you disgust me. And she just unloads on this man like I have never seen <laughs> before or Yay. since in the greatest <laughs> clip of all time, and this is the performance that everyone was blown away by. They were so blown away that they would write in that she should have won um, an Academy Award. So that's why Betty Davis considers um, Of Human Bondage to be her first Academy Award nomination, even though she officially wasn't nominated. Yeah, there was a write-in campaign. Yeah. You disgust me. Me? I disgust you. 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 You're too fine. You won't have none of me, but you'll sit here all night looking at your naked females. Mildred. You cared, you dirty swine. I never cared for you, not once. I was always making a fool of you. You bored me stiff, I hated you. It made me sick when I had to let you kiss me. I only did it because you begged me. You hounded me, you drove me crazy. And after you kissed me, I always used to wipe my mouth. Wipe my mouth. But I made up for it. For every kiss I had a laugh. <laughs> we laughed at you. Miller and me and Griffiths and me. We laughed at you. Because you were such a mug, a mug, a mug. You know what you are. You gimpy leg monster. You're a cripple, a cripple, a cripple. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yes. And then she oh. goes in and fucking... My God. Can I can I say what I just saw? Oh my God. Yeah. 
Uh, normally, like we do, you know, a lot, most a lot of times we do like musical divas. Yeah, so we yeah, play songs. the songs yeah. and they sing along. You were lip reading <laughs> Betty Davis's part. I just looked over and I was like, "Oh shh, this I, is like her songs. This is like listen, this is like her hits for her." Like that speech blew me away so much. Like I memorized it. Like I know it word for word. Wow. Like wow. since the moment I saw it, because I can. I was like. She is going for his throat. She's coming for his manhood, his life, everything. And it is just a sight to behold. It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I love when she started and then she just, you can tell like she just has this and she turns around and then she just yeah. like, that like that pivot yeah. just gets her to go up more. Yeah. She was waiting. She had yeah. been waiting for that moment to tell him what yeah. she really thought about him and she just unloaded. It and it great. just keeps flowing yes. out of her. Yeah. Oh, it's God. So and her accent, like her, she's doing this Cockney accent, which is amazing. And that's also part of the reason people were so blown away by her performance. It was great. And it's, that was kind of her first, that, that was the performance that really got her out of, I don't, would you call them B pictures? Yeah, it was B pictures. And that was the first time she had been loaned Ooh. out to another studio to do a movie. So she was mostly at Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers was giving her like terrible movies to do. And they were like, oh yeah, go ahead and go do this, you know, RKO movie. And then she ended up, you know, being a sensation in it. And that really changed her career. What was, what was after Of Human Bondage? What were like the next few? Um, oh my God, so many. So uh, Of Human Bondage was like, like 1935. So then she uh, did a movie called Dangerous. And then she won the Academy Award. Right. Uh, that was her first Academy Award. Um, was it supporting? Where- no, for lead. She was only ever no, no, for no lead. supporting. Never supporting. Oh no, 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 no. None ever? of that. Even at that age. None of Never. that. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. She's like t- only like twenty five, twenty six yeah. at the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She's like I'm above the title. No, I am lead actress. Yeah. Who 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 do I have to support? No one. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> How could she? She could never be a supporter. I guess she couldn't. Well, she could. I mean, I guess in this, I, I, I feel like, unfortunately, now in this world, like a Betty Davis type would be like the funnest best friend in films. Like mm. we don't give well, Betty Davis like, types these. You know, right. we don't have these. Well, roles I feel anymore, like so I feel like now I, instead of her later career, which wasn't what it should have right. been. Maybe we would know. Maybe there would be more opportunities oh, yeah. now for you know movies, especially like, in TV too. Yeah, she, they would have totally put her on like some great show, like American Mad Horror Man Story, or, or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would have killed. And then she won another Oscar the next year, right? Yeah, and then she won for Jezebel. So, oh, so that was like some Tom Hanks shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And those were her only two wins, and they were right in a row. Wow. And it was, don't even, oh my God, we're going to get to that. But yeah, there's been many times that she should have won that she did not win. But the, like, the, did she, she didn't win for some of your favorites, is that? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, like, that's now another Voyager, one I was like. she didn't win for Now she Voyager. Did, she didn't win for Now Voyager. Uh, she didn't win for Dark Victory, which she was tremendous in. Um, she was in this movie called The Star, where she played kind of like a, a Joan Crawford kind of character. talking about that. And, yeah. Yeah. That and was her was last like, nomination, oh right? God, yes. Which, no, no, that wasn't. Her last nomination was uh, Baby Jane. Mm-hmm. Oh, Baby Jane, right. Yeah, right, so 1962. Yeah, and the star was 10 years before that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah 1952. It good? It's good. But yeah. again, you have to, like, the underneath of it is even better because if you know, like, how much uh, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis did not get along because Joan Crawford's Are we talking stole, about the star or are we talking about... The movie is called The Star. Yeah. And she plays, she based her character on 
Joan Crawford. Oh, rude. So, yeah. like, oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. I wish I could be in someone like this. It's so juicy. And yes. like, so if you just watch it's it as so a film, good. it's very good. But then if you go into it and know that that's what she based her character on and how she's being like super lush and like driving around with her Oscar and getting in the car crashes, it's like, it's very, very, so much shade. It's it was like, just one she, long read. Yes. Yeah, so the library shade. was open. It was, it was open. Oh, yes. <laughs> And then after Jezebel 2, she was trying to get Gone with the Wind. Yes. Um, I think it's reverse. So she tried to get Gone with the Wind. Oh. And she didn't. So Warner Brothers bought her Jezebel as like a consolation prize because um, David O. Selznick wanted Vivian Lee for... They didn't want to... It would cost too much to get Betty Davis. And so they went, they went with Vivian Lee, who was tremendous in that film. Yeah. Um, and as a consolation prize, you know, the Warner Brothers bought Jezebel. And she still won an Oscar. So it was hey. great. I always think about what a Betty Davis, Blanche Dubois would have been like. Oh my God, it would have been so good. I know. I love Vivian Lee. I do. She's I do so, too. so good in that movie. But my God, if there was ever a role that was meant for Betty Davis to play that she could have just killed, it is Blanche Dubois. Yeah, I mean, I would have also liked to see a Betty Davis Amanda in Glass Menagerie. I mean, I would have liked to, her to see that her would have been. march that would have been great. through yeah. all of them. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Well, we still have the Little Foxes. We still have the little foxes. Always the little foxes. When was that? Um, 1950... 47? So she was getting older then, and yeah. she was kind of coming into the more mature role. Well, she was... Even when she did, like, Elizabeth, when she played Elizabeth, um, Queen Elizabeth, she shaved her head. I, she yes, shaved her eyebrows. eyebrows. That's so mm-hmm. crazy. She was me. like, she did not care mm-hmm. if it was for the character. She didn't care how old the character was supposed to be. She would play 100 if it was well, right that, for the role. She looked crazy as Elizabeth, too. I love yeah, it. Yeah, she was I wonderful. Yeah. She did that for The Corn is Green, too. Yeah. Yeah. I love The Corn is Green. Oh, my God. That's a deep cut. Really? Yes, it totally cut. is. It is. And she wore, did she wear a fat suit? She yes. wore like kind of like padding? Yes. And she like yes. loads she was still, of age like, makeup? Because she was like late 40s, so she was still like heights of like her beauty and like her, her figure was great and all this stuff. So they, she was playing a school teacher, so they like added all this frump and stuff. It was like... Psh. But she's still beautiful. She's so beautiful. She's that's so my, beautiful. That's the thing I wish that... That's the one thing I wish I could give to her. But maybe she wouldn't have been as great an actress um, if she knew. I was like, do you even know how gorgeous you are? Like, there's just things that she does. And how with iconic her facial her, your looks will yeah. become. Yes. For the that everyone the will be trying to mimic you later on. But it's true. She it was. It's the lack of vanity that yeah. makes her so incredible. Because yeah. there's no... Like, in, like Little Foxes is yeah. such a... Um, she's so... She's not. It's not a vain performance. It's such. Yes. A, it's such a cruel, un, unflagging yes. kind of just rip apart. Yes. Well, doesn't she say she's to like she was like I'm not interested in playing pretty roles. I'm Never. interested in being an actor. Yes. And I want to play acting roles. Yeah. I want roles that I can act in. You mm-hmm. know, and that's and that's what she did with Little Foxes. Yeah. And that's and, what she did with Elizabeth. And then Little Foxes, like she just has like all this tonnage of makeup to like make herself look older and like all this hair powder in because because of the, the time period that the the movie takes place and even the director William Wyler was like um I think you're doing a little too much and she was like no this is right for the character and I'm going to do this and so she just had no vanity whatsoever and that's what made her so special you hate to see anybody live now don't you you hate to think I'm going to be alive and have what I want you would think that was my reason yes because you're going to die. And you know you're going to die. And maybe it's easy for the dying, to be honest. I'm sick of you. Sick of this house, sick of my unhappy life with you. I'm sick of your brothers and their dirty tricks to make a dime. 
There must be better ways of getting rich than building sweatshops and pounding the bones of the town to make dividends for you to spend. You'll wreck the town, you and your brothers. You'll wreck the country, you and your kind, if they let you. But not me. I'll die my own way. And I'll do it without making the world any worse. I leave that to you. I hope you die. I hope you die soon. <laughs> I'll be waiting for you to die. <laughs> Oh, Maya's so oh, good. I, I hope, she don't hope you die spirit soon. animal. <laughs> Isn't she just also how she animal. floats up those stairs? Yes. Like what she can do physically with mm-hmm. energy? Yes. Oh, Ooh, she's yes. like cutting up those stairs. It's it's balletic. Oh my god, that's the beauty of like the full body performance, right? right. And and zero vanity makes it like so arresting to watch her on screen. That's why there's no one who can touch her because so many actors now, especially, they do care about how they look and they do, you know, getting collagen and injections and whatever. They how can you act if your face doesn't move, you know? Um, and you so can't. she had none of that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so she had none of that, which is great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so then, the, so then, okay, I'm trying to see if I'm missing any films in the middle of there. Oh, now Voyager. Um, We're in here because oh, oh, Mr. Skeffington. Oh, I love Mr. Oh, Skeffington. Yeah. Because that's a rare thing. Like she did a few comedies. Um, uh-huh. and she's mostly known as a dramatic actor. Um, but she did um, like The Bride Came COD with Jimmy Cagney, which is like this really screwball comedy that's actually pretty funny. And then she did something like Mr. Skeffington with with Claude Rains. That yeah. was now that one is is hard for me to believe because I just know too much about her. I was like, you are not this vain. But the character that she's playing is like so full of herself and so vain that that's all she cares about. And it's just, it's just funny to watch. And what we're skipping over is she had, she, we're kind of going, you know, through her, her filmography, but uh, for the casual listener, she had, yeah. she had, um, Peaks and valleys in her career, sure. you know. So she was up high, and then sometimes she was not acting, and she was really an advocate for herself, right? Yeah. Like, and, and especially as she progressed in age and the way that Hollywood treated women, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she was she was really like one of the, at least from what I've heard, one of the few women that was like really in there, yeah, and trying to take control of her. Career. They called her the fourth Warner brother. Yes, <laughs> they did. They did. That was a great. That was a great nickname because she was at the studio. Um, over the course of her career, 18 years. So she knew them so well. Um, but there was times where they just were, they didn't want to spend money to buy her the projects that other people were getting, like, you know, Gone with the Wind. And so uh, she would fight with them all the time to say, guys, you got to give me material. I can't deal with these terrible scripts that we have. And so uh, she ended up suing the studio when she was really young to try to get better parts and get, you know, uh, just better roles and better writers on, on the projects. And she went all the way to England. She like ran away. She yeah, like she fled. Right? Yeah, she like fled. And she was like, "I'm not gonna do my contract. You're gonna have to." And then they made her come back. And uh, she had to settle the case. Like she didn't win. Uh, but what it did was it laid the groundwork for a, a case that her best friend, actually Olivia De Havilland, would win a few years later. That would. Uh, kind of break the studio system where they didn't have to be under these like slavish contracts and they could go and get other roles at different studios. Wasn't that the, I I feel like I remember the ruling was like any contract longer than six years was tantamount to slavery. Yes. That's it. It's so fascinating to think back to like, because I don't don't think anyone really knows that or that part of history doesn't come up that much with, you know, with the film industry. Yeah. Studios 
owned you. They owned them. Yeah. They owned you. And they had could lend you out like to somewhere else, but then it would had to be like a deal where they could get something in return. So you could lend out Errol Flynn to go to wherever, RKO or some other studio, and then they had to give you a big star in exchange. But you were under contract for what was then like a ton of money, but I mean you didn't really have any freedom to do anything but what they made you do. And some of it just really wasn't good. And that's why she was she did it and at the end of her life, 101 movies. That's a lot. Not a lot of those were, some of them in the beginning especially were pretty terrible. She also, I, we were just listening to a great episode of uh, You Must Remember This. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the I love Hollywood, that podcast. The yeah. Hollywood Canteen. Oh, I, yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, I, bet, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet when that came out, you threw yourself a huge oh, yeah. party oh, and just God. danced around the room. This sounds like literally the podcast made for you. I would drive and listen. That's all I Isn't do. it great it's though? It's so good. Isn't it bad? So good. So yeah. everyone, listen to you must remember this because it's, it's so. I mean, they're super popular. But yeah, but to re, she she started the Hollywood Canteen, which was like a, a nightclub basically for the troops during the war. Yeah, and they could go, and all the stars would serve the troops. Yes, and she was the uh, president. Yep. Yeah, of for, a year. The, of, for a year. And not only did she do it with John Garfield, and they were they ran it together. But the most important part of it was that she was an advocate to make sure it was uh, desegregated mm-hmm. so that the, the actors and actresses could like dance with the colored troops. And um, that had never been done before. Like Because of that, the FBI was like on her ass. They had like a file on Betty Davis and like... Because that like, meant you were a communist yes, if you believed yes. in desegregation. Yeah. There was... Um, I forget. She says it so well on that podcast. But she talks about someone, some executive's wife who was so upset... About you know integrated dancing yes. at the Hollywood Canteen that she kept calling the police <laughs> and the police eventually <laughs> like had to call her husband and be like we, we can't field any more of these calls from yeah. your wife like there's yeah. nothing it's fine it's what they're fine. doing at the Hollywood they're Canteen. soldiers they're serving their country oh let them have a drink and dance you know it's not that big a deal oh, but it also <laughs> really helped her reputation yeah. at the time too Betty Davis. Yeah, and I think um, she was also an advocate for like war bonds. She did like a ton of commercials for that. I feel like that 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 is a period where she was actually very successful. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until like the late forties where she had done. She was very in, a feminist before it was cool to say that, that <sighs> you were feminist, but she was always like woman forward, actress forward. And um, it was when she made one too many. She made this movie called June Bride, uh, which is like very like feminist, like this woman telling her husband, "I can do anything." And it didn't do well at the box office. So then that's when Warner Brothers started looking at her like, hey, maybe your time is up, girl. Like, we don't know what to do with you now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. That, that little bent didn't work. That little feminist <laughs> angle doesn't Hey, that, yeah. we, we want some women's pictures. We don't We don't want this like, Oh, wow. So that stuff. was in the 40s? So that was like the late 40s. And, you know, her last movie um, for Warner Brothers was in 1949, which was Beyond the Forest, which famously... She well, said... She said... What? What a dump. (laughs) The movie? About the movie? No, no, no. Which is a line in the movie. What a dump. What a dump. Which is then quoted in... Who's, it's the beginning of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, yes. the play. What a dumb. Yes. Martha comes in and says that. She goes, what a dumb. Yep. And so... Elizabeth you, Taylor does a great Betty Davis impression <gasps> in Who's Afraid of Virginia oh Woolf, saying that line from Beyond the Forest, because she loved Betty Davis. What a dump. Yeah, the, my favorite part is... My favorite part about that is Betty Davis even critiques like the people who are doing the imitation, because she's like... Oh my God, yes. What a dump. And in the film, this is all I do. 
I just dust the table. And I say, what a dump. Did nothing with it. Until Mr. Albee wrote the Jenny Wolf. And then they did the and impersonation then, of the And Miss Taylor did it. Brilliantly. And when I do my show that I tour all over the world with, I open up with what a dump. How do you say it? Well, I imitate the imitators. What a dump. But I never said it that way in the beginning. So Edward Albee made that famous. In uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, you did an imitation of Betty Davis. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Can you do it for us? Or do you remember the line? Uh, I remember the line, yeah. What a dump. You know what she says? She says that more people think she says it that way because of your imitation than the way she said it in real life. <laughs> <gasps> it's, oh. Because she is, but it was something like I was saying before, she was very subtle in yes. how she said, What a dumb. Yeah, she threw it away. She yeah. just threw it away, yeah. She was an unhappy woman. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and in Albie's play, she goes on to, and they try to figure out the name of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's great. And then, right, is this, when did she turn down African Queen? What? Ooh, mm. she turned like um that was in the early fifties because oh, Captain Hepburn. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel like it was Bummer. between like that Beyond the Forest and All About Eve. See, I think so. All About Eve was after. Um, so you're right. Um, and Possessed so, too. Right. No, Possessed is Joan Crawford. Yeah, but she was offered Possessed, but oh. quit because she was pregnant with Beatty. Oh yeah. So that was right. That was 1949. You're right. right. Um, uh, I think that. Um, with African Queen, to me, like the, the whole story is, you know, that Bogey is great friends with Kate Hepburn. So, right. I mean, well, I, we're talking I, about Kate Hepburn, isn't so? Is this right? AFI, K- Catherine's number don't, one. Why are you gonna bring that up? <laughs> oh, Sorry, we just talked. Oh, it's oh, your alma mater. Oh, oh, I know, and I was mad because Betty's number two. First of all, she and then would, Betty's she number would two. fucking lose it if she was number two. I like, know. I was. God. I just in my mind, I was like, like, am I gonna do this? Am I gonna play this card? Am I gonna do play? It. Okay, do well, it. so let's take that for nobody. It does seem like it does seem like at least from what I've read in interviews with Betty that she did admire and respect Hepburn. Oh, she did. She totally did, and she always said that. She wished that they didn't, they weren't in the studio system because then she would have been able to mingle with some of the other actors more. Because you know, Hepburn was at Metro and then she was at Warner Brothers, so they didn't really uh, mix. But she was a great admirer of Catherine Hepburn. I think, um, for me, as a Betty Davis stan, <laughs> I got to I gotta, I gotta throw down my gauntlet because I just think I love yes. Catherine Hepburn. And I think she's wonderful. I think that she plays a specific type, right? So she plays this very aristocratic like almost like elite mm-hmm. like very wonderful uh type of character i feel like she's either a funny version of that or a dramatic version of that mm. that's pretty much it mm-hmm. betty davis on the other hand plays an array of different characters and if i always say could Catherine hepburn play the roles that betty davis played i think the answer is no betty but davis, betty davis yes. could play every single role that Catherine wow. hepburn played. Yeah. i love that that's very uh, true yeah. i don't know if she'd want to play them all that's true she you wouldn't. Know, though I would have loved to see her in Long Day's Journey tonight. Oh, she would kill that. Oh, my God. Oh. She would not. You're really doing some inspiring, yes. sassy baby girl. <laughs> what? You're making my mouth water for things I'll never get, but thank you. Casting director, time machine. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and then, okay, so then. And then, of course. My favorite. Well, I, yeah, probably my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. It is mine. All About Eve. It is mine. Oh, yes. All About Eve is, for me, like my desert island film 
Like, if that's the... And I love movies because I'm, like, wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I mean, come on, I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But if there was a movie that I could just watch over and over and over, it is all about Eve. The writing is incredible. The directing is cred- incredible. The most perfect cast. There are very few perfect films. Uh, and I feel like All About Eve is one of them. I was just saying before you came... I can't think of another movie where four actresses mm-hmm. are all nominated for an Oscar. I cannot either. Like, the hours came close, yeah. but... No, you're right. It's so you a... have Celeste, you have and Betty, said... you have uh, um, Eve. And Baxter. And, and Baxter. And um, Thelma Ritter. Yes, Thelma! Who isn't the unsung hero of, well, of the movie? Of all, so many movies. I mean, oh my God, six, so many. Six Oscar nominations, no wins. Wait, was she nominated for Rear Window? No. Um, I don't know. I think... She's great in Rear Window. Now I have to look, I know, look at it. Which, yeah, yeah. Which... But I was telling Nick when he said that to me, I said, well, but that's just because they don't make movies with four women. You are a thousand percent right. That's why. Oh my God, that's so true. That hurts. It hurts. <gasps> it hurt me when he said it. And oh I thought, my God. And I had to think, well, why is that? Oh, because they don't. You're except right. For, except for except a movie for, called Diane. Except for, for Ocean's Mary 8. Mary Clay Place is going to win an Oscar. <laughs> except for Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8. Yeah. But, oh. Okay, so Thelma Ritter was nominated for Birdman of Alcatraz, mm-hmm. Pillow Talk, oh. Pick Up on South Street, mm-hmm. With a Song in My Heart, The Mating Season, and All About Eve, all for supporting actress. Yes. She was the she ultimate was supporting the actress. She was the ultimate supporting actress. She was incredible. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we're right in the middle of our the main <laughs> we're course. We're talking about All uh, About Eve. Betty Davis desert, and I mean, All About Eve. What people, we really, when people are like, what do you bring to the desert island? Will you say, I'm bringing All About Eve. Oh, I will yes? bring All About Eve. That is my desert yeah. island film. It is that good. It is that perfect. Um, How many times have you seen it? Probably... 30, 40. Wow. Like, I've seen it, you know, and it's it's mostly because um, uh, the writing is so damn good. And in my home office, because um, I'm a writer, and so I put, like, inspiration on my walls, and the biggest poster on my wall is All About Eve because mm. that script is so funny, so sharp, so biting, and so vulnerable. They really... I, I never fully seen um, Betty Davis have a character that was serviced that well by the script. And it allowed her to be funny. It allowed her to be petty. It allowed her to be vulnerable and, and just uh, they have that wonderful scene in the car, like after she's been, you know, acting, being a, 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 a total bitch like the entire time. And then she has this really sweet moment with Celeste Holm where she kind of confesses why she's been that way. And she feels really bad about it. And uh, it's just a great moment. It's just a full meal of a film. And and, and and every character is able to have yes. more than one dimension. Yes. Which we never let women ever have. Exactly. Bill's in love with Margot Channing. He's fought with her, worked with her, and loved her. But ten years from now, Margot Channing will have ceased to exist. And what's left will be... What? Margot, Bill is all of eight years younger than you. And those years stretch as the years go on. I've seen it happen too often. Not to you, not to Bill. Isn't that what they always say? I don't suppose the heater runs if the motor doesn't. Silly, isn't it? You think they'd fix it so people could just sit in a car and keep warm? About Eve. I've acted pretty disgracefully toward her, too. Well, don't fumble for excuses. Not here and now with my hair down. At best, let's say I've been oversensitive to. Well, to the fact that she's so young, so 
feminine and so helpless. To so many things I want to be for Bill. Funny business, a woman's career. The things you drop on your way up the ladder so you can move faster. You forget you'll need them again when you get back to being a woman. It's one career all females have in common, whether we like it or not. Being a woman. Sooner or later, we've got to work at it. No matter how many other careers we've had or wanted. And in the last analysis, nothing's any good unless you can look up just before dinner or turn around in bed and there he is. Without that, you're not a woman. You're something with a French provincial office or a, a book full of clippings. But you're not a woman. Slow curtain, the end. Oh my God. No one buttons a scene like Betty... The heat. Davis. Yes. The heat. The also, how she, she gives yes. so much of herself, and then when she can just have that little slow curtain in the end, yep. like mock of herself yes. and pull the screen mm-hmm. back up. Yep. It was down, and now it goes back up. I think that is, um, that's probably some of her finest work in film, is that scene, and it's so simple. And it always bothers me. Not that I don't love like when people do impressions of her, but they always go for like the the big things mm-hmm. that she's known for. Because I mean, the woman can do some histrionics. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. But it's things like that where she just—how can you not feel for her? I mean, she's That's so the thing. Into yes. The performance, you know what I mean? Like almost as if she's. I mean, it's it is it's scarily real yeah. the way that it's like, and it's clearly coming from a yeah. lived, a lived in place. Yeah. That like, I mean, I'm fully body chilling. Yeah. From that, just. I mean, it's about the thing that all women struggle with. You're right. like, you want to have it all, and then you also want to have a partner, and you want like, how do you juggle it all? And she's just articulating it in such a such a great way that you can't help but empathize. And next to Celeste Holmes' character, who is j- just a wife. Yeah. I mean, in the movie, she's the ultimate like wife support yeah, system socialite, the yeah. kind of like cliched position of a woman and margot channing is the opposite yep. of that you know and they yep. are best friends and they complement each other mm-hmm. and of course celeste holm is like the one who she can show yep. this to but also that when she's hearing you know it's like when that character's hearing betty davis talk she's hearing a, a, you know kind of a feminist screed for the first time yeah and, and and it's like here you know it's like when you hear mm-hmm. uh, you know as a queer person you hear for the first time another queer person speak and you're like, oh, there's truth that I've always yeah. thought about, but never been been so brave to say. Yeah. And that I kind think, of feeling. Yeah, I think that's the, the hallmark of her as an actor is just the way she just wields the truth. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. sometimes she like hits it really hard, like out of the park. And then sometimes she just hits it really soft where you're just like, you just feel like you've been gutted. And it's so good. Also, her eyes in that. Yeah. When she gives them to the camera yes. or when she doesn't. Yes. And aesthetically, th- there's this moment in that scene where she turns on the radio and it's like she scores herself. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to do a big Hollywood yeah. underscore in that moment. Yeah. But they want music, so they make it real and it's just make it come out of the radio. Oh my God. And you are absolutely 100% so cool. right. Because she, she hated, um, she loved Max Steiner as a composer, but that's the 
a composer that was with her most of the time. She was like, Whoa. don't, if I, and if it's a really dramatic scene, don't put score under it. I can do it. I don't uh-huh. need the, the, the score to help me. Um, so I love that they made it like in, a part of the scene. Mm-hmm. And th- just for filmmakers, I think this is a lesson in trusting your talent mm. because that scene is mostly just a medium shot. Mm-hmm. It is literally just her face and her hand and her cigarette and her eyes and her face and her vulnerability. It is tour de force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bone chilling. It's just yeah. Bone, yeah, it's just that simple shot and it yeah. just will chill you to the bone yeah. every time. Also, this movie is very special to me because one of my childhood divas uh, was Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yes, and one of her first screen appearances. Mm-hmm. And she and, was so scared. And she, uh, she was so scared yeah. to work with Betty Davis. And she's so funny. Yes, she gives she's the best so lines. She's so funny. She completely steals that scene with the, with the, uh, the theater uh, owner guy. Yes, she's it's so, so good. It's really great to have. So not only was it the four women we mentioned before, yes. but also Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yeah. Fuck's sake. It's looking like a million dollars. I mean, looking so perfect and sitting oh on those God. stairs. Yes. Oh, God. And this movie, just like as a writer, just iconic lines. Like that in that scene, she says, the things that you, you know, give away on your way to be a woman, you'll need them again. When you go back to being a woman, uh, fasten your seatbelts, um, busy little bees making honey. Like there's just so many mm-hmm. great lines in it that it's just, it's just, it's catnip. Well, and Addison DeWitt, the, uh, the, the word, Yes. Just, I mean, that Snark. scene with him and Eve <laughs> when he finally pins Eve to the wall. Yeah. And Baxter is so good. Yeah. The great Cleopatra herself. Yes, yeah, she was great. And well, then, what do you think people listening to this right now are thinking? Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> just, like, just like this little section right here. <laughs> the casual listener. the casual listener. I mean, like, like, woo, we have gone. We've like, gone. They have spun into the universe of fandom. If you call yourself wanting to be an artist, you... At the bare minimum, if you never watch any other Betty Davis film, you better yes. have watched All About Eve. Yes. So yeah. they should like get into the weeds with us because okay. this is good. This okay. is juicy because it did win. It is like not that it was, awards mean everything, but I, it won yes. Best Picture, Best Screenplay, yes. Best Supporting Actor, yes. Best Score, Best yes. Sound Mixing, Best it, Costumes. It still to this day has the record for the most nominations. Wow. Uh, Fourteen nomination Academy Awards tied with Titanic. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, nothing has ever surpassed it because it's that good yeah. and that is titanic is a completely different movie mm-hmm. like yeah. f- special effects and i and this is I one like of those titanic, you know it's... rare movies about human beings yes talk and women 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 talking to each other yeah yeah, yeah. What's and as a this? theater person i love it so much and then after this is um, the star the star Okay. So that was 1952. And then, and then we go into like a really dark phase. That was life. the dark phase where she actually put out an ad for herself, oh which was gosh. like, my God. But this is also oh so gosh, Betty what? Davis. So like Betty Davis put an ad, I think it was Hollywood Reporter or Variety, one of them, where she was like, actor, mother of two, looking for looking for work, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Like she like literally went into the, you know, the, she put one ad out saying, I want to work. Please hire me. Um, she went back to uh, the East Coast and did some theater stuff. Um, she was doing, I think, Night at the Iguana or mm-hmm. um, a bunch of other stuff. Um, she was doing some Arthur Miller. She was also married to um, Gary Merrill at this time, and they were, like, boozing it up. <laughs> and living and, uh, in Maine, Living too. in Maine, which she loved. Maine's, she loved. She's a New Englander at, at heart, and she loved living on the farm and cooking and cleaning. She was very much not a glamour puss, um, so she loved that stuff. 
Um, but she also wanted to work because that was what she loved. She loved to work more than anything. And so it was really hard for her. And I think backstage um, at one of those plays is when Joan Crawford approached her with a little book called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and said, we should do this. She, ha- she was like, I have a director. Let's make this movie. And uh, Betty Davis came around to it. She didn't say yes immediately because she was like, what the hell is Joan doing here? I do not like this woman. Um, but she wanted to work and she read the book and she liked it. She was like, I could, I could see this as a script. Let's do some work on it. She's like, do, oh, her first question, of course, was who gets top billing? Who gets to be first on, on, on the titles? And uh, Joan Crawford, because she's a smart woman, she said, you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was all she needed to Joan, hear. Joan Crawford was a crazy person, but yeah. she was no fool. Oh, she was not. She, she, want, a, she wanted to work too. Yeah, she wanted to work. She had a business hat on her. Yeah, and she had not worked in a long time. And but Betty also didn't Betty also get ten percent of the box office? Yes, but Joan got more. Oh, and that's she? why she was willing to let her have top billing. So Betty Davis found that out later, which <laughs> made her very mad. Um, and uh, so Joan ran fucking yeah, Pepsi. Yeah, she knew Joan, what was going Joan on. Joan was not it was not I a game. This, I think that was in my first <laughs> Betty Davis movie. We were kids. Yep, that was my first And movie I was movie. frightened. Yeah. I was it's, frightened. It's scary. It's a scary movie. Like if, I remember being disturbed. You see it as a kid. Yeah. You also didn't see that you don't see um, older women much on screen. Yeah. Like kind of being slightly decrepit and, yeah. and shady and also strange. Her, and like, her singing voice coming woo! into full effect. Wow. I've written a letter to daddy. His address is heaven above. I've written dear daddy, we miss you. And wish you were with us to love. Instead of a stamp, I put kisses. The postman says that's best to do. I've written a letter to Daddy saying, Now that's the drag performance I've ever done. Yes, yes, because it's so crazy. Like, it's insane. It's so crazy. It's, it's, I mean, it's draggy, but it's also, there's something like Brechtian about it. I love that she did that after all these, like, all this time in the theater. Yep. Because it's a very theatrical Mm -hmm. kind of ballsy, which I think horror movies are and should be. You need big theater chops to, I think, to do really good. Oh, absolutely. And they were, like, going for it. And it, like, I've written a letter to. Like Joan Crawford as a person, but she respected her and she respected her as an actor. And so she knew that she was a hard worker. They were both very professional. Um, but so they would, you know, they got into some one upsmanship, you know, in the scenes, which is you can see, like that's why it's so good and it's lasted all these years where they were challenging each other. Now Blanche, you're not gonna sell this house. Daddy bought this house. And he bought it for me. You don't think I remember that, do you? You're wrong, Jane. You've just forgotten. I bought this house for the two of us when I signed my first contract. You don't think I remember anything, do you? 
There are a whole lot of things I remember. And you never paid for this house. Baby Jane Hudson made the money that paid for this house. That's who. You don't know what you're saying. Blanche, you aren't ever going to sell this house. And you aren't ever going to leave it. Either. Jane. Jane. Do you remember when I first came back after the accident? You promised you wouldn't ever talk about that again. I know I did. But I'm still in this chair. After all those years, I'm still in this chair. Doesn't that give you some kind of responsibility? Jane, I'm just trying to explain to you how things really are. You wouldn't be able to do these awful things to me if I weren't still in this chair. But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. Joan had a different set of challenges where she was trying to do all that and still look pretty. And <laughs> Betty Davis was like, we live in a mansion. We're old. Like, we're, we're not glamorous. Like, take out, like... The fake tits. Take out the take off the makeup. Like yeah. you're not. That's not how this is going down. Yeah, I've hidden you in a room yeah. for like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't have access to rooms. Yes. <laughs> so she, her fight with her was to like de-glamorize herself, Joan, while she was playing this part. See, so this is what I was telling Nick. Okay, what do you think about this line to to a current to a current star? I feel Betty Davis and, and whatever happened to Baby Jane to. Tony Collette and Hereditary. Ooh, that's good. Isn't that good? Oh, yes. Isn't yes. that good? Tony Collette yes. is a very good um, analogy to Betty Davis. Oh, yeah. Oh. The face. Especially because of those eyes. The eyes, the, eyes, the face, yeah. the, oh, the... And the chops. Of, and this is what I hate. Quote, unquote, over, when people say overacting, yeah. I'm like, give it to me. Yes. Give me the I, drama. Yes. That's why I'm watching Yes, things. yes. 100%. That performance is so. Oh, right! Good. Can you see that line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because she, she, oh, she almost goes on that 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 you know that table scene where she's just mm-hmm, like doing mm-hmm. the full freak out. You and you almost are like, oh, you're gonna tilt too far. Yeah. But she's always on I that kind of Betty about, Davis yeah. line where you're like. It's crazy, but fuck, it's working. Yeah, and you she, can't look away. Can't look away. She's like that in Muriel's wedding too. Like it's mm-hmm. funny and it's silly, but there's blood to yes. it, and she's so vulnerable too. Yeah, there's okay. vulnerability. Oh, it worked good. <laughs> that, was, was that was brilliant. That, that was brilliant. Okay. Okay, wait. First, so, I have to ask you: Did you watch the TV show? I did. Feud, of course. With, it was Betty Davis. Po- I, politically problematic. Yes, Susan Sarandon as Be- Betty Davis. Say that way. again. <laughs> Nick was like, Nick was like, I'm gonna call her. He was like, Let's do, let's do something. I love you for this, by the way, because I was thinking the same. Do that again. Way, he was like, he was like, first he was like, Oh, we'll do something. We'll do Little Women, and he was, and then he started referring to her as pre Bernie Susan, and I was like, Are you gonna call her that the whole damn show? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so you how should. Introduce that again. She earned it. Well, you want me to? Call, she wasn't pre Bernie at this point. No, why don't you just say call her Susan? You oh, want to call her no. unproblematic? Susan? No, you have to call her. Problematic. I'm calling her pro- politically problematic Susan Sarandon. Yes. Is what I'm going to call her. Yes, I stand that. Okay, well, this I'm is... not saying I'm being as positive. I'm being as, <laughs> as positive as humanly possible <laughs> yeah. for myself. Look, I, I, and I will add to this: I think Susan Sarandon did a great job in that movie. I was shocked series. that you loved it so much. Oh, Nick I... will talk about it every week to me. See. Okay, so I'm too close to it because right. I know way totally. too much about Betty Davis. So I will say this: like 
when I was younger, like one of the things before I got into film school, I wanted to write a movie about, because I knew about this divine feud about Betty Davis and, and Joan Crawford behind the scenes for whatever happened to baby Jane. I always wanted to make it a movie and I was like, who could play Betty Davis? Who is good enough to play Betty Davis and also looks like her? Susan Sarandon. Oh, you I that? always thought that. This was years ago. Years ago. I mm-hmm. always thought that. I was like, she is perfect. And my God, some of the scenes that they redid, when you look at the side by side, because um, as part of their press package, they would do that. They would put together um, images of her doing Betty Davis's scenes. She looks so much like her. It is frightening. Performance-wise, however, I felt like, and I love both of these actresses. I love them but I felt like they were playing themselves like so Susan Sarandon for me was trying not to do a caricature of Betty Davis so Ooh. it was like Susan Sarandon Ooh. sometimes Betty Davis but mostly Susan Sarandon but mm-hmm. she was in full costume and looked like her jo- like um uh oh my god what's her name Jessica, uh, Lange. Jessica Lange was completely Jessica Lange <laughs> it was so weird Remember, I, yeah. and I watched I've watched all of the American Horror Stories like I like so I lo- like I could do a, a whole the whole thing about standing uh, Jessica Lange, but we're gonna have she, you back to stand. Oh yeah, Lange, I love she's Jessica. my queen she of horror. I my, love her so much. God, she is phenomenal. Like what they have done with American Horror Story for so many actresses is yeah. it's like this weird like rep company. It's such a great renaissance of like it's these amazing, amazing actresses. Just, like I don't care how good or bad any season is, if Jessica Lange is doing a yes. new accent yes. with a new wig oh, yeah. and a new time period. Yes. I'm, I'm gonna watch I'm, I'm every watching. fucking week. Yes, yes. Well, I'm not gonna watch. Yeah, she's doing a German accent. She has one arm, and I'm not tuning in. Give me a break. It is I'm hard. Here. Ryan Murphy is so messy. <laughs> he is. That's a messy, messy girl. But, I mean, so, he does love he to bring up our stars. All their candy. <laughs> he does give us the candy, but then we get too sweet. It That's my analogy. Sweet. It just yeah. gets too sweet. It's true. It's kind of true. But that was my like overall take on it. I was right. like, they were they were both fine. And again, I also say with the caveat that I know way too much about both of those actresses in real life. And it's your so, like, idol. It's my idol. Like, Nick, can we think? Like, I don't know. I I I, I don't know that I would want to see. Imagine someone playing Bet. Bette Midler. You would. No. I think I mean, we would be like really stressed. Yeah. We'd be stressed out. That's yeah. the thing. We'd be stressed out when we would hear the casting and just be like. They're not going to do what we want. Yeah. The way that you were like, oh, yeah. they're not going to do what I want. Yeah. I know how to write yeah. this. And especially I mean, with your talent as a writer. Mm-hmm. It's like, I couldn't. And, yeah, and that series very, was very, because uh, Joan's family was part of the producing of it. So it skewed very much towards Joan um, and her life. And like when she started doing like whatever that trog and like all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like shit. Like I was like, do, I, this was supposed to be about them making that. Movie. I mean, the second half. Right, of I mean, the, the second half just went. Joan. It was all about Joan, and I was like, "Really? Like, I'm here for Betty Davis, just so y'all know. Yeah. I'm here for Betty Davis, and I'm not getting my uh-huh. my fill of Betty Davis." But I did think Sarandon, uh, politically problematic, Susan Sarandon. <laughs> um, I think she did. <laughs> I'm just at, gonna say, I'm giving her a compliment right now. It's not easy for me. She, in the end, did that line, that famous Betty Davis quote, when Joan Crawford died, and the New York Times called for a comment from Betty Davis. Yes. Joan Crawford died this morning. Do you have a comment? My mother always said, don't say anything bad about the dead. Only say good. Joan Crawford is dead. Good. 
and she but she did it with so but Susan Sarandon did it with so much humanity. Yes, she didn't. And with so if, much if humanity. If you read that in black and white, it sounds it's so hard. But Betty Davis did did step you know did step up when Christina wrote Mommy Dearest. Yeah, because and, then her daughter wrote one too. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. but, but I think it was but yes, that daughter mm-hmm. is crazy. She's a preacher. Yeah. What kind Did of preacher know? is she? She's uh, um, like it's a minister mid, yeah, in some like, like midwestern, weird, yeah, like, midwestern, like wow. South Dakota something minister. Yeah, it's yeah, it's something. Is she still? Did she, you read that book, or were you no. like not going to read? It's here. No, I was never going to read that because <laughs> also because she wrote it because she thought this is what I love. She thought Betty Davis was going to die. She had a stroke. Mm-hmm. Betty was like, "Not today, bitch," and she came back. <laughs> and then she, the the butch book was published, and she read this, and she like never talked to her daughter again because she Disowned was like, her. "I cannot believe you would write something like that." And then her her son uh, Michael, and then her other daughter uh, Margot, like they she still had a relationship with them. So Michael runs um, the Betty Davis estate, and he gave like Meryl Streep the inaugural like Betty Davis award and like oh, all wow. that stuff. So um, her her brother was like. What is this girl talking about? Like, why are you saying all this crazy stuff about our mom? And so, and, and even the father came out. Yeah, and the father came out. Yeah. And was like, that's not true. Yeah, like yeah. to his daughter. Yeah, it was it was really so. unfortunate. Like she had like a tough relationship, and they you they give you a glimpse of it in feud. Like because it was almost as if like Betty Davis was so obsessed with her career that her daughter didn't feel like she had room for her in her life. We could do a whole section so, on this because yeah, Shirley anyway. MacLaine has one yeah. on her, a head on her. I mean, there's a lot of daughter, yeah. daughters that were not happy with mommy. I just yeah. read that book in preparation of coming out here and seeing you, uh, Mrs. D and Me, <gasps> which is so lovely, which is a great book. Catherine Cermak, her mm-hmm. caretaker for a long time late in life. Yeah, I wrote this book basically about them taking a like a vacation together oh, late yeah. in life and working on Betty's memoirs, and mm-hmm. it was right after BD and she had was released the book. Broken yeah, uh, all she wanted she, for she wanted was to have a kid, and so it was took her such a long time to have a baby, and so she was in her forty. I think she was actually forty years old when she had yeah. BD, and so it was a. It was such a betrayal for her for her to have her. And then she adopted that. after that. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, and then she, she adopted, adopted Michael. Uh, Michael and Margot. Mm-hmm. Um, but and also, I read something that she said when she had BD. She loved being a mother so much. She didn't know if she was still going to be an actor. Yes, she did. So she almost retired. Wow. She loved being a mother. She that's it's so ironic that that's the that it was such a became such a wound for her. Oh. And of oh, and also the last. So the the last really, really good movie was Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Yeah, Hush Hush. Yes, because also, oh, fun fact: Joan Crawford was supposed to be in Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte, but they had had such a contentious relationship on uh, Baby Jane that Joan like kind of like called in sick and was like trying to like get out of her contract, and um, so. Betty was like, you know what? Forget this. Um, let me just call in my best friend, Olivia de Havilland, and have her come Who's in. Amazing. Who is movie. amazing? And I just find their friendship because they were such good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find it so fascinating because they could not be more opposite. Like, like Betty's like very tough and like just you know forceful and like uh, Olivia de Havilland so like delicate. She's a flower. She's so demure. You she's know, so and proper. Yeah, she's so proper. But still suing people at a hundred. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here, y'all. 102 in court. Uh-huh. Oh. We also loved, as kids, Watcher in the Woods. Right. 
That was a big yeah, one for us. Yeah, it's a little and, creepy. Well, because I didn't... Because so, so... Whatever Hush happened to Hush, Baby Hush, 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 We watched those. Though, so we watched... We only knew mm-hmm. Betty Davis is something terrifying. I know. She started... That's where... I'm so glad we're getting away from that in, in modern times. But right. after a woman hit a certain age, that's all she could do is like be in these crazy be horror scary. films. Yeah, so it was like, you know, Baby Jane, like... Stepmother. <gasps> Wicked stepmother. So we, Nick and I saw this. I mean, you know, so we were in the eighties, and we were like, and I loved witches. Yeah. Was, and then, yeah. and then, and then, and then she's smoking on the cover with she, a black hat and that like Elvira lookalike yep. next to her. And and I forgot about it until I read until I read it because I remember us watching it, and then all of a sudden Betty Davis wasn't in the film anymore. Yeah, that's because she got really sick. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then I think that was her last movie. And then they didn't they like have her like transform into like this other yeah. woman because yeah. they rewrite they rewrite it on the spot this movie yeah because her cancer returned and so she couldn't come back to set right. to like shoot anymore so um, yeah it was just, it was oh, she worked it's still a camp right people don't end. appreciate yeah. that movie it's a camp it's classic. a great movie it's yeah. so fun do, 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 doesn't she like doesn't things start like spurting off in the kitchen oh yeah like, crazy stuff starts happening yeah it's mm. really yeah it's like classically fun. like. It's not campy, but it's just like in that era of perfect, yeah, of like yeah. just goofy and weird. And um, I mean, I liked it because she just got to work, right. and I know that's what mm-hmm. she wanted to do. And then she went like overseas and did some stuff. She did like that uh, picture of the nanny, which was like, which had the eye patch, and she like was looking scary. Oh, I need to see that. Oh, it's good. It's really, really good. I love that too. How egoless she was. She was like, "Yeah, I'll do um, yeah. TV. What, yep. what show? Perry Mason. Yep. Like, sure, yes. I'll go do it. I'm an she, actor. Yeah. Well, she had to take care of her family. She had to take care of her sister, her mother, her kids. Um, and a lot of that, she was in between marriages, so she was like a working mom. I was thinking about Joan Rivers mm. explaining. She explained that so well in that documentary about her life, where she's like, "You don't understand. When you get really famous, you all of a sudden have to financially care for yes. everyone you've ever met yep. all the time, and it doesn't end. Yeah, the kids got to go to school. They need food. You know, they need clothes. You got to do it. Um, we, you know, so so with uh, oh, to our battle angels. That's where our fans are called. I named them that because I saw that movie that no one saw, and now we're and you're not supposed to name your fans, but here we are. I love it. We did it. Our little battle angels. I like that. To our battle angels, um, to the children. uh, We're talking about her her film filmography, and 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 you can go back and see that. But also, if you want to have a really, 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 really fun time, we we always have to do the shout out to YouTube because she was also a fabulous. Um, uh, interviewee. Yes, my God, some Just, of the best. Like her on any Dick Cavett is uh, incredible Letterman, to watch. Or not Letterman, um, Carson. Carson. Yes, Carson. She was brilliant. Um, the, I think Phil so, Donahue. Yeah, Phil Donahue. Phil Donahue was great. And I think the, the thing that you get to see is her being. This is weird to say, but like very flirty. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like how she engaged Saucy, with the internet. Yes, I was of, like, yeah. what? She was talking about like losing her virginity when she got married. She was 26 years old. Like that is mm-hmm. just just gold to hear her talk yeah. about it and hear her laughing hysterically about like all like the things she thought about it. And she was like, I was mm-hmm. waiting all the time for this. <laughs> she was like a staple of the so 70s funny. for these shows. She really she was. She was the 70s and 80s. And they're like, like, we needed someone to fill. Get Betty Davis. Yeah. yeah. She was brilliant. And just smoke throughout the whole The whole thing. Oh my time. gosh. I have a thing. I have a little confession, which is sometimes when I'm afraid, when I'm working, like if I'm on a set that I don't know or if I'm working in a play and something's like not working out, mm-hmm. I do a visual mantra where I pretend I'm Betty Davis. <gasps> And it ge- because it gives me power, oh my God. or sometimes it'll just give me like the right reading of the line, or I think of how she would do it. Yep. And it's like with 
integrity and honesty yes. and it's sharp and it opens my eyes and it makes me breathe deeper and believe in myself. Oh my God. It's a, kind of like I a spirit, that. a spirit, a spirit summoning oh. of Betty Davis. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That is incredible. That I, I feel like that's what she gives me a lot of the time, even though she's an actor, I'm a, I'm a writer, but I think um, the thing about her that I've always admired so much is that she really wasn't supposed to be there. You know, she didn't look wow. like anyone else. She didn't, she just, there was no mold that was made for someone like her. And her hard work and her talent just got her everything. She earned every single accolade that she ever got. And um, I take that to heart in everything that I do. I think that's why I love her so much. She was so brilliantly talented, but she was such a hard worker. We're going to give you one of those classic um, cord phones from the kitchen, you mm-hmm. know, that people would, that yeah. uh, women would talk at and smoke. Yep. And it's that cord goes all the way to the past to Betty Davis's answering machine. Oh, wow. You can okay. leave her a message and say whatever you want. Oh, my God. No. Like, literally, like, I feel my eyes <laughs> welling up. I cannot do that. Like, I'm like, oh. Just say whatever you want. Uh, um, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm laughing inappropriately because I'm trying not to cry. Um, I would say, um, I think I couldn't for the longest time figure out what it was. I can't believe you're going to make me cry. What it was about you that made me love you so much. But it was because you were so brave in everything that you did. Um, And... You know, it took a long time to sort of compare this, but um, one of the bravest people in my life was my grandmother, and she was really strong, and she smoked all the time, and she had these really big, beautiful eyes, and I couldn't put it together when I was younger, but that was the reason I was so um, drawn to you. So um, thank you for your bravery and for your talent and for your gift um, and for always being impeccably you. <sighs> um, you know, I just want to say thank you to you, uh, Martha Stewart. <laughs> That's not how I can sip it's because I don't slip anyone in. Uh, Martha Stewart, uh, there's a special where she goes and visits one of her many eclectic friends for mm-hmm. Christmas and uh, and she collect, this woman collects vintage Christmas mm-hmm. ornaments and Martha Stewart says... Uh, thank you for taking care of old things. Oh, and I want to yeah. say to you, thank you for taking care of old things and making them still important because they are. Thank you. And this was just so special to me. Me too. <laughs> you got me crying. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, I truly mean it. It was like really, really special. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you. I could talk to you about this for like three days on end. I know. I feel like I just want to record eight more episodes of this podcast and then let you take it over. This will not be the last one. We'll do it again. No, no, no we no, have to do it again. Thank you so much. Thank you're gonna be you. like, it's gonna be like you're gonna be like B- uh, Betty Davis on Dick Cavett. No, I'm serious. I'm already podcast. writing things down, and I was like, we're gonna have to edit about her coming back for these things because there's other things that I want to come back for. There's so many more. This is our, we found a recurring. So that means that everyone listening, uh, you should stay tuned for more episodes with the great Latoya Morgan um, and download us and follow us and do all that shit. And more importantly, watch some fucking Betty Davis. Yes. Yes. She is the queen. Do yourself a favor. Quit. Quit. 
doing whatever. You put your phone down and just watch. Be- Unless Betty Davis is on it. Yes. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you, LaToya, so much for giving thank so you. much of your love uh, to thanks. everyone today. Okay. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I wish you bluebirds in the spring to give your heart a song to sing and then a kiss but more than this I wish you love and in July a lemonade to cool you in some leafy glade I wish you health and more than wealth I wish you love my breaking heart and I agree that you and I could never be So with my best, my very best, I set you free. I wish you shelter from the storm, a cozy fire to keep you warm, but most of all, When snowflakes fall I wish you love I wish you bluebirds In the spring To give your heart A song to sing And then a kiss Oh, but more than this I wish you love And in July A lemonade To cool you In some leafy glades I wish you health And more than wealth I wish you love My breaking heart And I agree That you and I Could never be So with my best My very best I set you free I wish you Shelter from the storm, a cozy fire to keep you warm. But most of all, when snowflakes 